Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We recommend listening to the CW pod with a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon. Mm. Grown, distilled, well-rested, and bottled in Erling, Iowa. Now, from the Channel Seed Studios, this is the CW Pod, fueled by Steeple Ridge. Hello to everybody. It is Monday, the 2nd of October. Welcome to CW Pod this week. I am having one of our guys on. Uh, Scott Doctorman from The Athletic, one of the best college football guys I know, and I wanted to dig deep on a few topics, uh, specifically what's going on with his beat in Iowa City, and I also wanted to lean on him with some Big 12 stuff, too, because I'm just thinking through things, and I like to uh, talk it out with people I respect. Real quick, before we bring it into Scott, I got myself a bottle of Steeple Ridge bourbon right here. Scott, are you a bourbon guy at all? Unfortunately, no. And okay. the reason is, is when I was 14 years old, I had a pretty bad experience with bourbon oh. <laughs> that kind of ruined me for life. Um, We've all been there. Yeah. Well, I can't drink time. rum. I, I I can't drink rum because of college. I understand. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's about a handful of college type drinks that, but this one was, this one was one I would not <laughs> recommend to anybody. And especially as young as I was, um, let's just say a, a fifth of bourbon at age 14 does not go well. So I, I have, I struggle smelling it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I never would have guessed that, but God bless you. Yeah. Well, I promise you. Okay. If you ever get a, the steeple Ridge is much better quality than whatever you were downing at 14 years old. My no God. question. I'm, you know, that was, you, a, how old are you? Uh, I'm 50 years old now. Okay. Cause so my dad is 69, so he's considerably older than you, but he always tells me stories that when he was like that age, like they drink brandy. That was the thing that never, they just, they just drink brandy by the bottle, which is, you don't even hear about brandy anymore. Right? Never. No. And then we didn't <laughs> have it really back then. I mean, it was just basically the cheapest stuff you could find. And this was um, the cheapest bourbon I could find. And it's, it soured me on all the great bourbon, like the ones that you're displaying just because I can't hardly smell it. Wow. Well, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> God bless you. All right. All right, Scott. Um, the Iowa thing, I, by the way, uh, I thought your legends and listeners last week was probably your guys' best episode and, and they've all been good, but you, I had so many Iowa fans texting me how much they enjoyed it. So listen to those guys. If you haven't, here in Iowa, everywhere they they record on Thursday mornings, so it's always up on the feed on Thursday afternoons. Of course, you can read Scott's stuff in the Athletic, which I am a subscriber of. Um, your deal got a little bit more complicated, believe it or not, over the weekend when when Cade McNamara goes down, um, and it it kind of like it's a weird deal for Iowa, and and. <laughs> Because there's nuance to everything, right? So now 
Like everything you do in the off season, you bring in this big name quarterback, you, you know, and he's, you know, and McNamara is out there saying like, Oh, I dare you to say we're going to suck. And you know, all these, these quotes. And now that's kind of, uh, this is gone. Assuming he's out for the year where it's Monday. We haven't gotten official word yet. So that is an assumption. And now you bring in this guy who really wasn't recruited in, in Deacon Hill. He did not like he had all these offers. And he's he's a little bit Spencer Petrusy to me because he's got this big arm, but he's not very accurate and whatever. Like there's nuance here, but I gotta find out where we should go with it because it's like to me, I fight with Hassel about this all the time. I'm like, you guys should just appreciate going nine and three. Right. Like it's not bad. That's it's a pretty good spot to be in when you're just doing it. But like these Iowa fans now are, you know, they're chanting fire Brian. Like it, it's it's just a really uh, toxic situation. But I guess my big picture question to you, my friend, is OK, so McNamara is gone. You bring in this other guy, and like to me, the, the way Iowa wins now is doing it exactly how they've done it in the past, which has pissed everybody off. I don't see how the Ferences can win here. <laughs> it's in a really tough situation now, Chris, with without Kate McNamara. Um, it was tough before he was hurt, and it was tough even before Luke Lachey was hurt, who was by far their best offensive player. And now they really have to figure out how do you get the last couple of drops of ketchup out of this bottle. And it's a glass bottle at a diner in the middle of nowhere because it's just like, you, you know, you can't even get a knife in there. It's so that's how they've got to try to figure out how to get some offense on the field. And, and when you look at what Kate McNamara brought, um, he, he was, he's fairly accurate. The numbers don't show that, but he was, um, he had a pretty good idea of what to do offensively in this system and I think he could push back a little bit on the Ferences when needed. We just didn't get a chance to really see that because there were three non-conference games, Iowa State notwithstanding, but and then Penn State where they got obliterated and then mm-hmm. gone within a you know the second series on offense and really a pretty quality first series that he played. So that's really unfortunate. And now you bring in Deacon Hill, who is Somewhat Spencer Petrusy because he's a big guy. I mean, big in every area and just has a rocket arm. But unlike Petrus, he's not he, he's a, like a Mustang wild arm. Like, I'm going to throw this ball down the field. and I don't care what anybody says. And and unfortunately for Iowa, that can mean a lot of picks. And it was one the other night. And it could be more the once people start to get a real handle on how he performs. Um but that it's really the whole thing comes back to me is the inability to to block up front. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And and Iowa could be successful like in 2020 if it could just have the ability to to, to run block effectively to be able to get four yards a carry. Now you having two players out, the top two running backs out for the last few games hurts but they're still struggling to, to get consistent holes and they're not going to run zone because they're not good enough at it. And so that's where this weird vortex is of Brian Ferentz's play calling. You don't know what you have at quarterback offensive line. Is it a recruiting issue? Is it a George Barnett issue? Is it a, 
you know, what's the issues? They're all issues and they're all problems. And so now there's, they're at this point of how do you move forward? And they can, the schedule allows them to, to do that, but I, I think they're going to really, I mean, it's going to be more of a grind than probably the last month of last year was. Yeah. I mean, Hill goes out and throws 43% completion percentage. Are you a pro football focus guy, Scott? You, Somewhat. Yeah. I do like some of the analytics, the uh, offensive, the run block ratings that you're mm-hmm. discussing have been atrocious. I mean, I'm talking like high forties, like, they're not yeah. even getting into the 50s some games. Yeah, I've seen that. And I've seen those. I, I look at those numbers every week and I just try to digest, digest just how much of it is true versus how much of it is yeah, you know, nuanced and stuff. Well, so, it's the scheme too. Like yeah. well, That's what I put it more on than anything because I don't know. Like I, here, Here's my – this is just a theory of mine, but I know you're a – you're a football nut like I am, and I am very biased. If it were up to me, every team would be running the air raid. You know, like <laughs> it, um, that it's just my style, and it doesn't mean it's the only way to play the game. But when I watch Brock Purdy in the NFL, when I watch what Jalen Hurts was able to, people, people had buried Jalen Hurts when he was at Alabama. Like mm-hmm. he was done, his career was over. Uh, when I watched Tua in the Dolphins, like some of these quarterbacks are really good. Some of them are in these phenomenal systems where they can distribute the football properly, be a smart quarterback and uh, just know exactly what you are. And that's a distributor. That's really hard to do in Iowa's offense. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so to me, it's like, if if it's like that for the quarterback and it's also it's also like that for the line if they know what you're going to do just based off of how you're lined up i mean i've had former d1 quarterbacks watch iowa and they'll tell me like watching film like this is exactly what they know exactly what's coming so it, like to me it's like i i i just think like they if they let's say they go 9 and 3 this year it's like it looks like it did last year like mm-hmm. they're going to have to have Defensive touchdowns like they got the other night and great special teams play. And that's all and well, but I'm staring at this fan base. And, it, and again, it's perplexing to me being an Iowa State guy where two years ago, my last year on Daily Talk Radio, Iowa wins 10 games. And my God, like mm-hmm. you would have thought the world was coming to an end. Like, I, d- I don't know where they go because, like, to me, like, it, this is not going to change. If they win nine or 10 games this year, it looks like last year. Mm-hmm. And then where do you go? Well, the problem is it looks like every year and everybody can spot where the issue is. Um, you know, football is, a, you know, all sports, but football in particular is entertainment driven. People want to see scoring. They want to see offense. The, with what you just mentioned about pro football, um, the Miami Dolphins are an exciting team. They get move up and down the field. People want to see big scores. They don't want to see grinded out football the way it was played 50 years ago and three yards in a cloud of dust and Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler and that style of football just doesn't work today and in today's climate. And, and that's part of the problem Iowa fans have, and I completely get it, which is you they're not successful on the style on the side of the ball where people are most drawn to the sport. Um, it's like 
you know, Wisconsin a little bit under Bo Ryan to a lesser extent, you know, that sometimes they'd win 54 to 48. And you're like, that's boring. You're holding the ball for 28 seconds and then you miss and then you get a rebound and then you move the ball again. That's not what people want to watch with sports. They want to watch scoring. They want to watch up and down the field. And Iowa is the exact opposite of that. And they've won games because they're so disciplined. But the problem is that it's, it's an unequal distribution of talent and results. The defense is elite this year. It's just good, but it's still, you know, it's, and then your special teams are elite, but your offense is the worst in the country year in and year out. And people see that. Everybody can see that and say, why can't you be better here? Why can't you get better? And then you look at the scheme. You look at the tendencies, which I'm currently doing today. Um, just one aspect I'll get into is every single time that Iowa's had at least three receivers on the field, they've been in shotgun. Every single time, 76 yeah. times. That's the type of stuff that people point out to me, too. The exact. Example. So you know how to defend it, and the majority, and I'll, and I have to break it all down a little bit more. But um, there have only been a handful of runs, and most of them had draws. So it's like you know, okay, they're in shotgun. They've got three receivers on the field. You know, kind of the basic of what you're going to get. Um, they don't have any quick game. They don't get the ball out of the quarterback's hands right there at the snap. And Brock Purdy was fantastic at that and still is. You can still be a zone-based physical run scheme. I think you see that with Brock Purdy in, in San Francisco right now. I love that scheme. That is my favorite scheme in football. I'm more of a physical kind of observer. You know, wide zone, get distribute the ball, get it to your playmakers, let them do things with the ball. And Iowa does the exact opposite, which is why what they have 20 catches by wide receivers through five games. I mean. And you're not going to be able to, and, and you you know, you can see this storm cloud coming your direction if you're Iowa, which is Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, all elite offenses. And you're going, we can't keep up with the, those teams. We might be able to slow them down, but you've got to be able to have a counter punch. You can't just sit there and say, yeah, I can take your best shots and win a 12 round fight. You've got to score once in a while. And there's nothing to suggest that Iowa is going to be able to do that. And that's the frustrating part, I think. That's and that and that's to me where this comes to a head. Whatever happens this year, whatever. Like I'm, I keep telling Iowa fans, and they think that I'm just the snarky Iowa State guy. No, I'm being dead serious. Like enjoy this year, because if you've got an offense like that, you're not winning nine games again in this new Big Ten with, mm-hmm. you know, what will be more of an even schedule. You're not going to kind of be able to. You know, I don't want to say hide in the West, but like it's very similar teams that they're playing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of the reasons why I like Iowa State and the future of the Big 12, because it's for the first time, I feel like they're going to be playing similar teams on a weekend when week out. We'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, where do you go? And let's say the Ferences are back next year. Like, do they realize that you think that or do they think we've done it this way? We win nine games every year. We keep getting these extensions. The season tickets are sold out. It's not like there's like this reject. Yeah, you may be chanting fire Brian, but you're still there paying tickets. Is it even realistic that they could, you know, change things up? And I I, I don't know. Like, but like to me, like your point is good luck against Lincoln Riley. Good luck against Chip Kelly. Good luck. You know, and I I think Nebraska is going to keep getting better. We'll see. 
but I, I think Rule's a pretty good coach, and they seem to be recruiting okay. Like Wisconsin has made the jump. They're running their version of the air raid now. I'm not saying that Kirk Ferentz needs to do that. Or, Scott, are you better off being um, – and I, I think I could make this argument that Iowa needs to be different than the rest. That is, I, I don't know what that means. I mean, are you running the wishbone? Like, I don't, I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. I think it is a fascinating – this is a crossroads, man, for the future – of this football program. And I don't know what the right answer is. I don't think they can bring it back the way it's currently constituted and expect fans to buy in. The only reason why they bought in this year is because they hit the portal pretty hard. Got yeah. a new quarterback, a couple offensive linemen, got a couple, you know, great tight end. They got it, some wide receivers and, and it's like, okay, they're really trying to do things here. And, you know, and, and Kirk and, and Brian to an extent, you know, all were like, you know, personnel matters. We weren't real good there. And that's true. Um, but to see now the excuses or, or, you know, reasons, excuses, however you want to phrase it, that's over. It's, it's schematic now as much as anything. So I think what you're doing is you're looking at it as, um, you know, you've got to do something different and you've got to do something different with different people because Brian is toxic. Even if this would have turned around this year, then he wouldn't have gotten much credit for it anyway. And so, you know, Brian understands the current climate. He knows what uh, fans think of him. He's not living in a bubble and thinks that everything he knows and he can hear. And uh, he and I have talked about that before. Kirk, did it to another extent, is a little more isolated from that. He's either weathered against it or just figures, I've been here 25 years. My way works. See, look at the results every year. Yeah, he's you know, the best coach in school history by far. Like, yeah. I, you know, they've won. They haven't. They've had one losing season, um, regular season since since 2000. You know, so they they've stud, you know studied, and that's been against all kinds of good teams. They've won big games, so they have that track record of success. But I, I think I can see three detrimental areas that absolutely have to be changed for this program to remain competitive and then move forward offensively. And one is they've got to do better offensive line. You just, the third straight year is unacceptable. And any, you can say they're last year, they were you know, two years ago, they were injured last year. They were young. No, it's time. You, you got to produce. And if you don't, then you got to start looking at reasons why two wide receivers, the attrition rate has been a, a, a catastrophe. And since over the last 10 years in recruiting, up through this year, they've had 24 scholarship freshmen and only four have finished their tenure at Iowa, three more in the pipeline. Um, that's unacceptable. You're either misidentifying everybody in recruiting or you're not getting anything, you know, you're not keeping them happy. And then third, it's, it's schematic. Um, I watched Michigan State and that was by no means a good team, but I'm watching the way that they're getting the ball out on swing passes. And it's like, okay, so their receivers are blocking down the field just like Iowa wants them to. So are their tight ends, and they're getting the ball out of their hands immediately, so they're allowing them to do something with it. Iowa has to do that, or this is going to just be grinded out, run for one yard, pass on second down, then it's third and nine, and then, you know, all bets are off. Scott, you're you're smarter than me. I think it is number three. Like, I mean, do I think that this is like a, you know, great offensive line? No. 
but I just think it gets really hard to do your job when the defense knows exactly what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, same with quarterback. This is what I've been – I was trying to – and it's hard with McNamara because he was hurt. But, like, is, was he hurt or did he go from being a guy who was on a team that had better talent than 90% of the teams they play with a decent scheme to playing for the worst scheme with, you know, talent that is – comparable to the competition uh you know like maybe he's just not seeing the field as well because of that like I, I, that's just i'm you know it better than i from from an outsider though it's like i i mean it, like iowa state all of a sudden like they started throwing the ball successfully the last couple of weeks and it's like oh their running games come along well yeah mm-hmm. it's because they know that <laughs> don't just stack the box and you know like and i Iowa just hasn't been able to do that for one reason or another with these wide receivers over the course of, you know, since Marvin McNutt, really. Mm-hmm. Right. And they haven't changed their scheme since then either. That's, yeah. I mean, they, they did for a little while with Greg Davis, but trying to marry the zone scheme with short passes and it just wasn't going to work out. I mean, he didn't, didn't even use the tight end down the field. And that was, uh, you know, so that I still like this scheme better than I did Greg Davis's, even though the results might have been a little bit better at times. But I look at, you know, if you want to compare the two, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, Matt Campbell looks like the Kirk Ferentz uh, on this side of the state. Everybody thinks that. But the things that I see with Matt Campbell was first year, he recognized really quickly that four three with four quarters coverage is not going to work in the Big 12. It does in the Big Ten, but it's not going to there. So what he and and Heacock did was let's devise a different scheme that now everybody likes to run against up-tempo passing offenses. And they look and they've been very competitive on that side of the ball ever since because of that. Two, you know, maybe this isn't the scheme that you want to run offensively, but it's the one scheme that works. They're willing to lean into it, give it a shot, even with a redshirt freshman quarterback. And Iowa, on the other hand, doesn't look at it and, you know, and this is what I would this is what I would do if I'm a coach and it's easy for me to play fantasy football here. But um, you know, why not give Cooper DeGene an opportunity at quarterback? You know, you've got a couple of quality corners and I understand that. But I, I look at this as, hey, you want to win, you get your playmaker the ball on every single down. Let him run it, let him pass it. That would be, and this, you know what this fan base would do? It would explode. Oh, yeah. It would be so energized if Saturday night you see number three trotting out under center. Oh, my God, this place would explode. And then you wouldn't hear fire Brian if he's out there making plays. You know, but instead it's like, well, you know, and and that's been the problem over the years that when they've had wide receiver issues, no Desmond King, he's not going over on the other side of the ball. No Micah Hyde. He's not going over the other side of the ball. And now you've got the ultimate weapon, who I call the most exciting Iowa player since Tim Dwight. And I believe that. I said that this morning, and I hadn't heard you say that. That's great. All right. Yeah. He is. He's phenomenal. When he's back to punt and you hear, and at first it sounds like a boo, which is not unusual at Iowa, but (laughs) all of a sudden it's for Cooper. And then when everybody in the stadium is watching him, to return oh. a punt 70 yards for a touchdown. Get that guy the ball. That that interception he made was incredible. Yes. Got his feet in there. Oh. You know, three pick sixes last year. Um, you know, he had what a sideline interception or an end zone interception against Iowa State last year. Just I mean, he's a phenomenal player. And I think it's if you want to win this year, if you want to 
give yourself a chance. You just say, you know what, <laughs> let's dumb this down. Let's put totally him agree. at quarterback. Put him in the shotgun on every play. Let him zone read and let him throw the ball. You don't need to run stale Iowa offense. I tell you what, Scott, and again, I'm emotionally detached from all that. I hate watching Iowa games because of exactly <laughs> what you're talking. It's just not fun to watch. Yeah, um, That would make it absolute must-see TV mm-hmm. if Cooper DeGene was a quarterback. Do you think there's any chance that that happens? I mean, these are the same guys that would only play Noah Fant like 10 snaps. Okay. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, <laughs> I just, I have a hard time believing that, but man, that would be awesome. Yeah. That, no, because it's <laughs> Iowa. That's the problem. It's like that, the wooden, <laughs> I hate to almost say like German military, which is very good, except for, you know, hey, there's a wall there. We'll go through the wall. You know, it's like, no, yeah. go around it. You're there. No, 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 no. We don't do it that way because we don't do it that way. <laughs> and that's that's what you see with Iowa that makes, makes it, again, frustrating. Like, you know, in 2020, they operated out of Wildcat for several plays. And it really worked considering they had three good playmakers in the same package with, Tyron, uh, with Tyler Goodson, who was a, a first-team All-Big Ten guy. Tyrone Tracy was now at Purdue and Amir Smith-Marset all in the backfield working out of the wildcat. I'm like, yes. And even in the bowl game, they had Sam Laporta <laughs> taking a few snaps in the shotgun. And I'm like, just go the distance here. You know, put Deshaun Lee, who played, who started the first two games at cornerback. He's going to make mistakes, but do something on offense. And that's, again, um, I remember in 2015 when Marshall Kane was the kicker. And like the first series of the game, they got into field goal position and they hiked it to him and he didn't get a first down, but the fans stood up and cheered and gave him a standing ovation. Why? Cause it was different. Mm-hmm. And if the Cooper DeGene, the fan favorite mm-hmm. was to be back there. Cause as you said, Chris, I have people on my staff at the athletic who are like, oh, I don't want to cover Iowa. I have editors saying, I don't want to have to watch Iowa. You know, and that's a shame because it's just a stale, boring product year after year after year. It's a testament to their fans, too, honestly, Mm -hmm. like that they keep showing up and selling that place out. And they were awesome. The atmosphere was awesome on Saturday night. I I thought it was really Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, It looked great. Okay, let's go to the other side. Uh, And this is more of a Big 12 conversation. Not even a Big 12. This is a college football conversation for me. I had a bit of a realization come to me on Saturday night and I don't I don't even know if it's accurate. But I need to bounce it off somebody. So I've had the opinion for about a year that at Iowa State specifically that Campbell's job is getting better, Otzelberger's job is getting worse. Because of the state of the basketball league, like you're going against Blue blood, high spenders, you know, Hall of Fame coaches, night in, night out basketball wise, especially now that Arizona's coming in and like all these new schools. It's like good, good luck traveling to BYU on a Tuesday night. That's hard. Like, if you know, mm-hmm. they're all, it, that's a hard game. That's a hard place to go play. Whatever. This is a football conversation. For the first time since I've been around Iowa State, when I stack Iowa State up to its peers, you're not completely outmanned from a talent and roster perspective in this new big 12. And, and of course I go into Saturday night with this bias in my head that this is my opinion and it has to be right. Well, 
I look at Oklahoma and I look at Texas. I look at what they've done in the portal. I know what they're doing with NIL. For the first time since Campbell's first year, and part of this is the state of where Iowa State's at, too. you got all these freshmen playing. You're young. You're, by all means, rebuilding. They're in a rebuilding mode right now. We'll see if you can get it rebuilt. Iowa State didn't belong on the field with Oklahoma. They didn't. Uh, you know, And there were some encouraging things with the offense. I think if those teams play 10 times, Oklahoma wins 10 of them, which is shocking to me in the Campbell era, year eight, that this is – a reality, but I looked last year, so I watched last year's game, and Dylan Gabriel throws for like 160 yards. Iowa State had three turnovers, really could have been in that football game had they not had self. I look at what Venables did in the offseason, how much better they got, and it's clear to me that Texas and Oklahoma, who are going to the SEC, are that much better than the rest of the league. I don't think anybody else will beat them this year. Maybe a Kansas State can bite you in Manhattan, but the days of Tom Herman losing in Lawrence are over. Like it's, it's not happening anymore because the talent level is that much higher. Again, that is my bias opinion, but it was really clear to me. Do you, do you see that happening as well? Or is there more nuance to this conversation? No, I think you're spot on on this. Um, when the difference between an Oklahoma and Texas year after year, after year, after year is that they're, um, their resources are just dwarf everybody else. And that's what's always been the, the situation with the Big 12 going way back to the formation of it. And so their recruiting area is outstanding. They are the, the flagship institutions of their state and, of course, of the region and the conference. So, But I think the NIL period is allowed like Oklahoma to reset better than it has ever before. Same thing with Texas, that now instead of their mistakes and that they made in recruiting, now they can erase those mistakes by going out and get somebody to replace them. It's like, yeah, we got this five-star left tackle who's a you know worthless, you know what, and right. yeah. he's not doing anything. Well, we're going to go get somebody else who can, and maybe they play at Boise State or maybe they're wherever. I mean, a lot of times even in the, in the conference, and they're okay doing it. And I think – that's that's just the way the nature of the game is going. And for an Iowa State, for Iowa, for a lot of developmental programs, they're going to have to make sure that their culture is still strong and they're going to have to make sure that they keep the players that they have. And a lot of times it's keep them happy while they're there and then be able to entice a few players. But it's always going to be about development because you're not going to be able to compete if you lose, you know, if, let's say a, a Will McDonald, instead of going pro decides, oh, I'm going to go to Texas this year, you know, that type of thing. You're going to need those players to succeed. And, and uh, you know, and again, an OU, which was terrible last year, or Texas, which has been the most classic underachiever in the sport for all these years. Um, now they can erase those mistakes. Now they can plug and play. And, and Iowa did that to an extent, but not to the way those teams are going to do it. So, um, but in the new look big 12, what I love about this for Iowa state is, now everybody looks just like them. Now it's going to be about who can build the best program, who can maintain it, who can develop it. And then, you know, schedule is going to matter and all those types of things. But you don't look across the board and, you know, yeah, there's some advantages here, some advantages there. But I think Iowa State is right where it needs to be. It's just going to be a matter of can they build upon their past successes and you know, learn from this, you know, rough period and, and take it and move it forward. And, and I, I think, 
you know, I, I, I believe in Matt Campbell. I think he will do that. I think he's shown an ability to pivot when he's needed to. Um, you know, I've, I've seen kind of the videos and it, you know, it, I won't say it's troubling, but it's also a little bit concerning, you know, how fired up he gets when people kind of come at him and he needs to kind of let that go. Um, because if he happened to leave for somewhere else, it's going to be worse. Uh, but no doubt, you know, you, you do see this new league and think Iowa state can play in this league. If Iowa state has a Brock Purdy, a Brees Hall, a, you know, Xavier Hutchinson, Charlie Kolar, you know, those are great players, but they're going to also have to make sure that, all right, you know, and this is where your friend Brent um, is going to have to come in and that's keep those players too and keep them happy. Cause otherwise every single team in the country is like, Hey, you want to go play in the sec? You want to go play in the big 10 come this way? So that's going to yeah, be a it, challenge. It's really interesting. And I think this is now an Iowa, Iowa state conversation too. Cause I think Iowa will be in the same boat, you know, cause you're going from being like, I don't know, tier two, big 10 mm-hmm. is, is fair where Iowa has been for a long, cause you've had Michigan and Ohio state and, I don't think I'd put Penn State on that tier. They haven't really won championships, but whatever. Put them wherever you want. I mean, and now you're bringing in, you know, I would put Oregon with Iowa. I would put Washington with Iowa. Definitely USC is probably above Iowa. Like, you're not as – you don't have the stature that you did. I think Iowa's actually in in a weird spot a little bit tougher because they're now being – they're expected to play in one of the two – big spending leagues right now Iowa's going to have more money uh, but they're kind of more the prey in this new world than they have been I guess my you know my my concern for both of these schools and I think players that are or fans that are paying to go and watch these things is okay Iowa or Iowa State's got this really young tight end that we really like it's really fun to watch what's to mean that you know He's not just going to come and get bit out. Uh, but I also think it works both ways. And, and this is where we're learning is I just, I truly believe Scott that playing time is going to win out for these guys. I've never met a D one recruit that signed at this level that didn't think he was going to the NFL, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I truly think that getting on the field is still the most important thing to these guys. Yeah, it is. And the only people that I've seen that have, altered that just a little bit. And I think it's kind of fascinating are the almost the journeyman quarterbacks who have started and caretakers are like backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Now they're backup quarterbacks in college football that, Hey, they'll go somewhere for six figures and be the, the backup, or if they have a hot freshman or did they really want to insert there, but you're a, just in case it doesn't work out right away or injury. And that is something that's going to be part of it, but that to the, pertaining to this discussion, it's going to be about, there are, there are a lot of different aspects that are going to be in play here. Like I look at the guys Iowa picked up and, you know, Nick Jackson, for instance, a Virginia two-time all ACC uh, second team linebacker, graduate, smart young man wants to go to the NFL. And instead of looking at bling and instead of looking at, you know, Ching, (laughs) Ching, Ching, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really more about, Hey, Iowa is puts consistently puts players in the NFL and is a good defense. If I go there, I like the culture and I'm going to fit in there and I'm going to play and put myself in a better position than even Oklahoma was, you know, at that spot, even though Oklahoma has bigger stature. And that's a mature decision that a lot of older uh, 
football players make from time to time. And Cade McNamara was kind of the same thing that thought, hey, Iowa's style of play suits my ability a little bit better. And, you know, so that that made sense. The problem for an, for an Iowa is as we see this offense just completely fall apart, even more than it was last year, then how many players here are going to say, you know, I'm not sticking around for this. And even worse, how many players are going to say, there's no way I'm going in there. You know, I mean, I'm a wide receiver. No Why doubt. would I go there? I can't catch the ball. They don't even throw it to the wide receivers. And then everybody will recruit that against you. So, you know, that that's another thing that's got to be on their mind. That Well, I even felt like this, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I'm just speculating here. I have no inside information. I'm a spectator. When I was watching that, McNamara press conference last week I was thinking like oh no like he looks defeated he looks like when he said the whole I don't call the plays I don't like it was total opposite of what we had heard from that guy you know earlier and it in like to me I I was thinking to myself like this is terrible like for recruiting from that standpoint and like Chris said to me today like well, if McNamara can come back, should he? And I was like, no, like he needs to go somewhere where he's going to be able to throw the ball and like, you know, prove an offensive system. And like, it, yeah, did did I overreact to that? Because like, I just I'm watching this guy and he seemed completely defeated in that moment. I saw it too. I mean, I okay. asked him a question and it was, you could see the frustration coming from him. And when I, because I asked him about wide receivers, because I was writing about the wide receiver woes of, of Iowa and where they've gone. And, and, uh, you know, and, and here was a stat that remains true. Even I I've just updated the Michigan state stuff, but um, they're, they have at least two tight ends on the field on 73% of the plays last week. It was 76. It's come down a little bit since Luke Lachey has been out. But 73% of the plays, they have two tight ends on the field, which would be fine if they had Luke Lachey and Eric All. Yeah. But even going way back to you know five years ago with Fanton Hawkinson, that was 61.8%. You know, and and that was one where I'm like, that needs to be 80% when you've got Fant and Hawkinson, two first round talents. But you know, Kirk's like, well, we see him a little bit as a specialist. No, he's better <laughs> than everybody else out there. He's a weapon. Come on. And, and it's just that's just the thinking they've got to get past. And, you know, whether it's this year, I mean, you know, putting Cooper DeGene out there is radical, especially for Iowa. No, we got to do it. We got to make this a thing, <laughs> you know, Let's other, apply the pressure, right. Other radical ideas would be, you know, like move the offensive, you know, move Brian to offensive line, you know, bring up, John Budmeyer, who's the analyst making quarterbacks coach and pass game coordinator and do things like that, which, other programs do. I mean, it, you know, Indiana fires its offensive offensive coordinator yesterday, and you know, Iowa's like Iowa fans are being sarcastic as always. But like, you mean you could do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, um, I'm gonna. I, I I think I I I tweeted during the Ohio State game last year about DeGene, and now and you're on it, and I'm gonna just keep pounding all my Iowa media friends to just we're just we're gonna get this we are gonna will this into existence because it would be the most incredible it, w- it would be like a heel turn in in pro wrestling it's like oh man you've been the bad guy and now all of a sudden you're gonna be it would save the ferentz's job mm-hmm. if they would do that and if they if they don't and go nine and three like we're, we're in some serious trouble here if they do that and go nine and three people would be ecstatic 
I'm no. all in. Let's go. Yeah, uh, and I'll be honest with you. I don't know that they can go nine to three right now. I, I mean, yeah, you know, people are looking at this schedule, but I'm like, you know, does Purdue look automatic the way it once did? Does you know Northwestern beat Minnesota? Minnesota would love nothing more than to beat Iowa and Iowa City. They haven't and done it since the, the defense and special teams. Like the thing is, it's like you can do that the last two years mm-hmm. because you're getting touchdowns elsewhere. Like I just. I know, man. I have so much respect for, you know, Parker and the and Lavar Woods, and like it's it's been phenomenal, and they're amazing at what they do. There's still an element of luck that comes into defensive and special teams touchdowns. You can be really good at it, and they've got a ball hawking secondary and all of that. But to have all of that layout for you three years in a row would be very surprising to me, especially without a pass rush. I mean, and that's been a big yeah. problem. They've only had three sacks thus far. Last year, they had 35, and they have a lot of the same faces, so that's a little bit crazy. But, you know, in some ways, I look at Kirk Ferentz, and he, he reminds me a lot of Marty Schottenheimer when he was at Kansas City, mm-hmm. and that is they played Marty Ball, and I covered the Chiefs right after he left, and and it was always close to the vest, great defense, tough, you know, but then – one play would get him beat and it always happened in the playoffs in important games. And, and in Kirk Ferentz's case, it's been that way too, where even when they're really good, it's like one play, one little small sliver costs you because you don't have the offense to compete in that regard. And I think that's, that's going to be a shame. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Deacon Hill will go out and save the world. You know, maybe they'll Ferentz will, Shame on you for the you know the hundredth time because nobody's been better in verse situations than him. But I, I don't I just don't see a path to success. Maybe victory, but not success with the way they're currently constituted. All right, get out of here. I kept you longer than I said I would. I appreciate right. you, my friend. All right, thanks, Chris. Have a good thanks, one, pal. Man. Scott Doctorman from the Athletic. You can listen to him and Chad Leistico here in Iowa everywhere. On Thursdays with their Legends and Listeners show, Aiden Wyatt produces that. It is presented by Heartland Flags. I am fired up. I not not just bullshitting you guys here. I got a Tulane flag last year from Heartland. I'm gonna fly that up at Jack Trice Stadium this weekend underneath my Cyclone Fanatic flag. That'll be cool. Bring me a bottle of Steeple Ridge bourbon as well in the old camper. Again. I like the black label. The white label is good for more of the beginner style. 92 proof. It is a a wonderful whiskey that is made by incredible people right there in Erling, Iowa. Everything is done there. Uh, So I would encourage you to pick one of these bad boys up at uh, Fairway. We're from the Channel Seed Studio. Hope you enjoyed this. I, I like, you know, I love doing two guys named Chris. I also like to slow down and do the more in-depth college football conversation, which was fun to be able to do today with Scott Docterman. Thanks to Scott Docterman for joining me. Thanks to Steeple Ridge Bourbon for presenting CW Pod here on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.